Canto Four, Chapter Thirteen. Description of the descendants of Dhruva Maharaj. Sutta said to the rishis at Naimisharanya, hearing Maitreya's description of Dhruva's ascent to the abode of Vaikuntha, Virura's love for the Supreme Lord in the beyond grew, and again he began to question Maitreya Muni. Vidura asked, Who were they you called the Prachetas? Which family were they known by? Whose sons were they, O best among the sworn, and where performed they their sacrifice? I think that Narada is the greatest of all the devotees. He saw God before his eyes and described the procedure of rendering devotional service to the Lord. When these men were performing their sacrificial duties in worship of the Supreme Lord, the enjoyer of all sacrifices was by Narada described with devotion. O Brahmin, be so kind to tell me, so very eager to hear, in full all the stories about the Lord that were narrated there by the Devarishi. Maitreya said, Utkala, the son of Dhruva, after his father departed for the forest, did not desire the throne of the emperor, his father, with all the lands and opulence belonging to it. From the day he was born, he was a most satisfied, unattached soul, who, equipoised, saw the super-soul as spread everywhere in the world, and all the world as resting in the super-soul. Because of his single-minded resolve about the spirit of the Absolute, his being separated from heaven had ended in the oneness of the self. A consequent yoga practice had increased his bliss that as fire burned away the karmic impurities of his mind. Thus realizing his constitutional position, all his thoughts were devoted to the soul of all souls. Out on the road he to the less intelligent appeared to be like a fool, blind, deaf, dumb and mad, but, actually, his intelligence was more like a fire with its flames tempered. Thinking that Utkala had no intelligence and was mad, the elders of the family and the ministers of state appointed Vatsara, the younger son of Brahmi, ruler of the world. Svarviti, King Vatsara's dearest wife, gave birth to six sons, Pushparna, Tikmaketu, Isha, Urja, Vasu and Jaya. Pushparna had two wives, Dosha and Prabha. Of Prabha there were the sons Pratar, Madhyandina and Sayam. Pradosha, Nishita and Vyushta were the three sons of Dosha. Vyushta begot in his wife Pushkarini a son named Sarvateja. His wife, called Akuti, gave birth to a son named Chakshusha, who was the sixth Manu. His queen, Nadvala, bore him twelve pure sons, Puru, Kutsa, Trita, Jumna, Satyavan, Rita, Vrata, Agnishtoma, Atiratra, Prajumna, Shibi and Ulmuka. Ulmuka begot six very good sons in Pushkarini, with the same name as her predecessor, Anga, 
Saumana, Kiati, Kratu, Angera and Gaia. The wife of Anga, Sunita, gave birth to Vena, who was very crooked. Disappointed about his bad character, the wise king Anga left the city to live in the forest. He, Vena, was cursed by the sages whose angry words struck him like thunder. After that had happened, he died. Being without a king, all the inhabitants of the world were pestered by thieves and rogues. They then churned his right arm, upon which a partial incarnation of Narayana descended called Pritu, who became the original lord of the earth. Vidura said, With King Anga being such a reservoir of good qualities, and a saintly person, a lover of Brahminical culture and a great soul, how could his son be so bad that he became indifferent and left? Why did the sages, conversant with the religious principles who saw Vena's faults, desire to pronounce the Brahmin's curse against him, while it was the king who carried the rod of punishment? The king is never to be insulted by the citizens, however sinful he may be, because he, by his personal influence, maintains the power of all the local officials. Please describe to me, your faithful devotee, O Brahmin, all there is to say about the activities of the son of Sunita, for you are well conversant with the things of heaven and earth. Maitreya replied, King Anga once executed a great Ashwamedha sacrifice, but to that great offering all the godly souls never attended, despite the fact that they were invited by the officiating Brahmins. Puzzled about it, they then told the instigator of the sacrifice, The godly souls do not accept the oblations in the fire of the priests. O king, there is nothing impure about the offerings that you with great care collected, nor is there anything wrong with the proper execution of the mantras by the qualified Brahmins. In this we cannot find the least insult or neglect in respect of the godly souls, because of which the God-conscious, who were to witness the sacrifice, would not accept their share. Maitreya said, King Anga, the performer of the sacrifice, was very depressed after hearing what the twice-born souls said. He then, with their permission, addressed the priests to be informed by them. Being invited, the ones of God are not going to attend the sacrificial ceremony and accept their share of the offerings. My dear priests, please tell me what offense I have committed. The leading priests said, O God of men, in this life you have not committed even the slightest sin, but in your previous life there was an impurity because of which you, in this life, are without a son. We, who wish you all good fortune, therefore say to you, Execute the sacrifice to get good offspring, O king. When you worship the Lord, the enjoyer of the sacrifice, with the desire to get a son, he will grant you one. All the men of God will thereupon accept their share of the sacrifice, because then, for the purpose of getting a son, evidently, the Supreme Personality has been invited. 
the Lord, being worshipped, will award the person whatever he desires. People will reap the fruits of their actions according to the way they were of respect for him. For the king to get his son, the scholars, thus having decided, offered rice cake in the fire of the Lord of the Flames, Vishnu. As a result, a person appeared in white garments with a golden garland and a golden pot, wherein he carried rice boiled in milk. The king, firmly rooted in the noble mind, took, with the permission of the scholars, the in milk boiled rice in his joint palms and, after smelling with great delight, offered it to his wife. The childless queen ate from the food that would give her a child and, indeed, was impregnated by the husband. In due time she then gave birth to a son. That boy appeared partly following in the footsteps of his death-oriented maternal irreligious grandfather. He therefore became an offender of the holy duty. He used to take up his bow as a hunter and go into the forest to kill innocent deer. Thus all the people cried, There he is, the cruel Vena! While playing in the playground with boys of his age, he very cruelly violently killed them mercilessly as if he slaughtered animals. Seeing how cruel his son was, the king, by different means of punishment, could not get a grip on him and thus became most aggrieved. He thought, They who are without a son, living at home, must have worshipped the Lord in a previous life. They do not have to suffer the unbearable sorrow because of such a bad son. Because of his sinful reputation and unrighteousness, there will be great discord among the people and endless anxiety. Who would want such a so-called son? He inevitably binds the soul to illusion. What intelligent person would value a son who brings misery to one's family life? I think it is better to have a bad son than a good one. Because of a hellish household, a mortal can detach himself from his home as a source of misery. Thus grown indifferent, the king, unable to sleep, got up in the middle of the night to forsake his home that was so opulent because of the blessings of the great souls. Not noticed by anyone, he left Vena's mother, who was fast asleep. As soon as was understood that the king, no longer taking care, had left, all the citizens, priests and ministers, friends and the rest of the people searched the earth in great bereavement, like they were inexperienced yogis looking outside for the original person hidden within the heart. Not finding a trace of the father of the nation, Okaurava, the citizens returned disappointed to their city and informed, after offering their respects, with tears in their eyes the assembled sages about the absence of the king.